Hey everyone, welcome to an impromptu coffee break on, what is today even? Carrie, what day is it? Tuesday, Tuesday. March 31st. It's Tuesday the 31st. Uh, I'm your host, Carter Lern, and this is Carrie, your co-host, who um, called me earlier today and basically said, <laughs> I have some stuff I want to bitch about. Can we do a show? <laughs> so I kind of know what we're going to talk about, but I mostly this is well, we're going to let you, to you go. And and we were ranting together, and then it was like, why don't we just go on <laughs> like our old phone conversations that led to the deprogram podcast? It's like, why aren't we even just recording this? Yeah. So I I don't know how long it'll be or how good it'll be, but uh, whatever. Carrie, why don't we start? Because you you're the one who started the phone call. Um. So you yeah. you brought up the topic. Why don't you bring it up again? Okay. I have a lot. Apparently, I I possess a lot of currently unpopular opinions. <laughs> um, uh, By the way, the, that is a what? that's a sign that you're moving in the right direction, Carrie. <laughs> well, wait till you start we'll telling people taxation is theft. You will be persona non grata. <laughs> <laughs> okay, here's here's where I'm at, and here's what I wanted to rant about. I guess where I think what I was ranting about to you. I don't understand, and I'm trying to understand it better. I do want to understand it better, but I don't understand all of these people who are suddenly clamoring for martial law, for the government to forcibly shut down businesses and churches. I don't understand it. And when I ask people why, and I say I'm against this, and I make a distinction between clearly a distinction between um, the government making suggestions or making recommendations or making incentives even to do a certain thing, which I think are all good. There's a distinction between that and then the government by force saying, you must do this. We are taking away your right to assembly. We're taking away your right to bear arms. We're taking away right, your right to freedom of speech, whatever. Any of the constitutional rights that they infringe upon I think it's wrong when they do that. And I think there's an obvious and huge distinction between someone choosing to follow guidelines and someone being forced by the government, by men with guns, by the threat of men with guns to do to, to follow those guidelines. So, By the way, you are, Carrie, that, you're like, you're going to be an anarchist soon. Keep this up. <laughs> you know what that distinction know. is, Carrie? You know what the difference what? is? It's the difference between rape and making love. That's the difference. Yeah. Yes. Thank you for that analogy. Because in these threads, when I'm asking people, please explain to me why you support this. In your analogy, why do you support rape? Why do you support the government with force doing this? And I thank you, first of all, to the people who, who embrace the fact, who are honest about the fact that that's what they're supporting and then try to explain their justification. Because I really do want to understand the justification. But some people don't even embrace this. They're like, they try and conflate the two things. And instead of telling me why they support this over here, why they support the government forcing this, they tell me why they support us all voluntarily going along with guidelines. Hey, cool. We're on the same page. Tell me why you support the government forcing it down our throats with force, with the threat of violence, with the threat of men with guns. That's what I'm curious about. And it's like the people who want to completely ignore that discussion or pretend like 
it's not important or pretend like they have some magical crystal ball which tells them. I'm like, here's the problems as I see it. Who decides when this happens over here? Who decides when the government says, hey, we're going to take away your constitutional rights? Um, what circumstances, what events, what pandemics, what virus? How do And going forward, what precedent are we setting for this to happen again? And if we set a precedent where, hey, well, under XYZ circumstances, the government can suspend our rights because they've done it before. If we set that precedent, then aren't we also creating a huge incentive for people, for bad actors, for people to engage in foul play to force that result in the future? Like, are, are you not thinking through these things? You're just like, yay, government with guns, come tell us we can't go to church. Like... There's a difference between saying, I believe people should stay home and saying, I believe people should not be allowed to make that choice. So that's my rant. I really, <laughs> I'm think, sorry. I really think you're moving in the right direction, Carrie. I'm, I'm very happy with this. <laughs> uh, yeah. Terrorists won 9-11. Um, they won. This is related. They won because uh, same mentality. Our population did the same thing. They said, oh, well, that was a bad thing. Let's give up a bunch of rights um, so that it doesn't happen again. We are scared into like taking our shoes off at TSA and um, having the Patriot Act uh, expand government intrusion into our lives. And uh, that's the terrorists. I mean, I don't know what their goal specifically was. I think it was it's more just about in the case of 9-11, was about getting the U.S. out of the Middle East and, and leaving them alone and blah, blah, blah. Perhaps there was some more ideological uh, oomph behind it. I, I'm not an expert. However, if your goal, if your long-term goal was just to kind of slowly erode at the United States civil liberties and the, the attitude of the people and kind of just create a rot inside the country and... Um, so that it would collapse upon itself in a few generations, you would just do those kind of harassing things where you kill a bunch of people or introduce some threat and um, watch all the sheeple beg the farmer to make a higher fence. I don't know. What exactly. To that's why. That's why I don't. I don't get it. And and again, I know there's going to be people, and I appreciate it. And this is unsafe space, by the way. We invite disagreement, and and even when I'm passionate about something like I am on this rant or if Carter's passionate about something we've disagreed while passionate before it's okay if you disagree with me I want to better understand why and for the people who are at least acknowledging that they're okay, yes it, it is that I am okay with the government suspending freedom of assembly for example or whatever I'm okay with them suspending XYZ constitutional protections um and here's why and then they go on to explain it i may not agree with your reasoning or i may think there might be there are problems with your reasoning or we we may not agree in the end but at least you're trying to help me understand your point of view better instead of saying instead of saying defending this over here the voluntary not going out which i we're not even talking about that's right. not what i'm talking about right and so I, I appreciate that at least and and i and there are and people are making the like in the comments i just saw um, Rowena says, I used to think the same, Carrie, but I think the, the reason the government is forcing it because, is because people wouldn't stay home otherwise. And Timmy, I think, said, yeah, the argument is for it's for public health safety. I get that. My I, my response to that is I don't think that's a good enough argument because I think I think the argument for public safety and the public good. I mean, Carter did a really great video by himself about the public good and how often it's been used to justify tyranny and 
again, I care about precedent and I care about what we are establishing. And so what are the rules? When are we establishing that for the public good, it's okay to suspend our civil liberties? How do we decide? And so, and then you get into the minutia of stuff where, and follow me on this thought experiment, because I think this shows how this reasoning is flawed. So a friend of mine said, well, uh, you know, your rights end where my mind began kind of if, if and if you you don't have the right to go and and contract a, a deadly virus and then bring it to me well well wait my response to that and i do have a right to go contract a deadly virus absolutely yeah, i have that right i do i do have that right and you and i went there the same place immediately it's like no no if you invite me to your house and i happen to have a deadly virus that is on you for inviting me into your house Take some personal responsibility for your choices. You can't control where I go. You can control who you, d- you choose to associate with right now. And and the same person said, well, um, w- if I'm at the grocery store or the bank or the vet, um, you know, and you and I catch it from you, blah blah blah. I'm like, okay, but see, by your own reasoning, why are you at the grocery store or the vet or the bank? And and the response there was, well, those things are necessary. No, they're not. You've just set up a world in which we now get to judge each other's going outs. Go, our, our, we get to judge each other and say whether that's necessary or not. So if we're living in that world, what's to stop somebody like Carter, who is a, who's prepared and doesn't have to leave the house because he's stocked up enough food to not have to leave the house. What's to stop Carter from saying, hey, you going to get food is unnecessary. You should have prepared like I did. The government should stop you from doing that because you're now putting my health at risk. Right. You know, what, what is to stop us from looking in your grocery cart to make and making sure that your groceries are necessities? But who gets to judge what you're buying? I went to the grocery store today and bought Arizona iced tea. Is that, nece- is that a necessity? No. like like, are you gonna start looking in my cart well i go to the store every day yeah i buy what i want are you gonna come look at my cart and tell me i can't you know do i get to do that to you well and this is the this is the general problem with um the concept of public good and it's the problem with um this entire attitude um what is essential or what is necessary is not any of your effing business it's the person, it's what's essential or necessary for me, that's my business. It's not your business. It's no one else's business, what's essential for me. And the idea that the government's like, well, we're going to shut down non-essential businesses. What they mean is businesses that they don't feel are essential for their power or for whatever their agenda is. But look, there's a lot of Americans who it's pretty freaking essential. They get a paycheck so they can buy food and pay their rent. So they eat. That's pretty essential. That's pretty essential. So the idea that like, well, that's not essential because it's not a special government job. And uh, also it's not a doctor or a nurse. Like it doesn't matter. Um, pe- what's essential to people is, is, their, is their own decision. It's like, <sighs> this is why I haven't made that t-shirt yet that I said I will, but I, I'm going to make it the, the freedom and responsibility graph t-shirt. We've got a bunch of people yeah. who don't take any fucking responsibility for their lives they don't take any and they don't they're angry about the consequences of that and they want the government to then protect them from the potential consequences of them not taking any responsibility and as someone who did stock up i took responsibility for my life 
and the life of my family. And I don't need the government quarantine to not get sick. We're not getting sick because we didn't go outside because we took precautions. Now, I get that not everyone wants to do that or can do that or whatever, but that's your choice. That is your choice. And if I were single and in my early 20s, I might not have done this because low risk of uh, infection, I have other low risk of dire consequences, Um, but that's my choice. Uh, the reason that I think the reason we have this attitude, Carrie, is because we have a country full of people who don't want to take responsibility for their own lives, and they look to the government for everything, literally everything. And this whole thing is is a litmus test for me because all, especially a lot of conservatives who were all about socialism is bad, and you know, because conservatives always spin a yarn about how, oh, uh, we like small government. Conservatives are full of crap. You don't like small government. The moment you can have a big state come in and do something drastic because it gets you off on your little pseudo-authoritarian fetish that you've got, you you jump at it. You jump at it. Conservatives are – I can't stand that conservatives get the label of small government. What conservative has ever made smaller government when they've been elected? Never. And now very, very few conservatives are – saying, hey, 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 people have rights. How many politicians ever run on, you ever, Carrie, when was the last time you saw a politician stand up and say, any party, stand up and say, I'm running because freedom matters, because you have the right and responsibility to take care of yourself, and I'm going to get the government out of your way. And then they got elected and they did that. Never. In fact, all I hear are people in my party up until... I left this party um, after the 2016 election, but uh, my party was always the Democrats. And in what I hear, that whenever they talk about rights, they talk about things they want to give you that the taxpayer is going to pay for. They don't talk about actual rights. They talk about, you know, goodies. Yeah, well, the, the, but, the Democrats have, even the conservatives actually, uh, but the Democrats never never understood what rights were. They've never, I don't, they haven't understood what rights were for decades. Um, Carter, so when, I have to interrupt you for a second because when you were in the middle of your righteous rant, yeah. Mandy Fisher posted, this is my favorite knitting podcast. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I did say spin a yarn and it did occur to me that I was saying spin a yarn. Uh, so there you go. Uh, or I love this knitting podcast. By the way, uh, Andrew Thompson quotes uh, Michael Malice. I don't know if you know you're quoting Michael Malice, but uh, probably he does. Uh, conservatives are just progressives doing the speed limit. Damn straight, that's what conservatives are. They're progressives doing the speed limit. Um, and uh, I don't, you know, I think we have a bunch of, um, I think we have a bunch of people who uh, just don't want any personal responsibility. And that's all it comes down to, is just not wanting personal responsibility. And I get that people are saying, well, if you don't do it, the argument is if you don't do it, other people might not, and then they're going to spread it around. That's true. Other people can yes. do things that are risky for you, and you need to protect yourself against those things. But And that's always ahead. been true. Yeah. When you go on the road and drive, there are people out there who could be drinking and driving, who could be driving erratically. Like Living life means that you are going to come into contact with other people who are living their life, and maybe not the way you choose to live yours. And some of those people are going to put your life at risk. That's what... This, 
I don't understand. <laughs> right. Some How people take trips to the Amazon and contract malaria and Ebola and come back. Like, that's what they choose to do. Right. Okay. I don't get it. You're responsible for your actions. Yeah. And when the circumstances that you're in change, then you can reevaluate and change your actions. And hey, guess what? Maybe you decide to be like Carter and self-quarantine for over a month way before anyone else was doing it because you look at your you look at the surroundings and you say this is what i'm going to do to protect myself and my family or maybe you choose to be like me and go to the grocery store for arizona iced tea (laughs) either way it's your choice either way it's your choice you know carrie one thing that um this is reminding me of that i just i want to touch on a little bit because i've i don't know that i've explained this before on unsafe space or not but this is the way i look at a lot of these things um a lot of regulations I look at this way and a lot of this like government needs to protect us from each other kind of stuff. Um, I'm going to bring up a word and that word is eugenics, which I know triggers a lot of people and, and people view eugenics as like this horrible Nazi thing, which it was. Um, and some people argue, well, sometimes there's dysgenics at work, right? Because we're incentivizing people, um, you know, in the opposite way. Um, the truth is, uh, nothing about life, and when I mean life, I mean like philosophical life, just like every creature alive, everything on earth, nothing about life is static. Life moves. It changes. Change is part of life. And if you don't change, you die. That's just how life is. That's how life evolves. And species always adapt to their environment. Whatever environment we have now, we are adapting to it. It's weeding some people out and promoting others. It's increasing the... Uh, uh, existence of certain genes in the gene pool, and it's diminishing the resistance of or the existence of other genes in the gene pool. I'm not saying there's anything good or bad about that, and and I certainly don't want to be in a position picking and choosing what genes are like. I'm not saying that, but our environment uh, creates us to some extent. Like our adaptability, um, how how adapted we are to present circumstances, creates the populations of the future, and. When you have a nanny state, when you have a state that everyone is looking for to protect them against everything, I mean, I'm against everything. I mean, I mean, even against the FDA, I don't want the government telling me whether my meat is good or not, right? Like, I don't want them telling me whether my the drugs are good or not, right? When you have a state in which you can turn to the government for as an authority or as protection, what it does is it breeds people who defer to authority and suspend or don't even develop their own independent sense of uh, self-preservation and responsibility and initiative to make sure that they're doing uh, using their own best judgment to to take care of themselves. And so, I think you know part of the reason that this progresses like this, and part of the reason society gets worse and worse and worse in terms of freedoms is you know we have this uh, m- maybe. Uh, event at some point, American Revolution, whatever, where there's some major shift in in power and suddenly we're not under a king and there's a lot more uh, freedoms recognized by the government. And But what happens is every little thing that's added cre- helps create a mentality um, for future generations of relying on the government to do that and actually dulls their ability to protect themselves. You don't bother wondering where your meat comes from because you feel like big daddy government's handled it for you. They've made sure it's safe. So you don't have to worry your pretty little head about whether the meat's bad. But actually, um, in a free society, you might actually outsource that to organizations who do it. But 
you would at least have a sense that at the end of the day, all of this is your responsibility. It's your responsibility to tell which organization has certified this meat and are you feel comfortable with them and are these, you know, who made these drugs and do you feel comfortable with them and do you think that they've done a good job? Like everything you do will be your responsibility. And we have bred over and over and over again, generation after generation of people that are more and more dependent. They're more and more farm animals. And so when I look at like, hey, if we don't force people to stay inside, people could die. Yeah, maybe. Maybe they could. Absolutely. But if we do force people to stay inside, we are generating, we are uh, creating a generation of weaker species in the future who are going to be more and more reliant on big government. And the thing is, at the end of the day, big government is a lie. They can't actually save you. At the end of the day, you're dead under big government. It grows and grows and grows to the point where uh, it's totalitarianism and you're dead in a ditch somewhere. So big government, the, the promise of big government over the long term is a lie. And, and having big government order people around to do things only breeds intellectual and moral weakness to protect yourself. And that's not good for our society at all. That's my rant. Do you think that the the problem that some people have understanding our point of view about this is because they don't they don't see how philosophy and ideas how they how they relate to real life like how they impact the way that we live and how future generations live they, is it that they they just think of it as like some something um, ephemeral or whatever yeah. Is that the right word? Because, because somebody, like somebody in my one of my threads, said to me, you know, uh, and they were kind of, and it was sort of a, it was like, you know, in the in the debate between civil liberties and morality, you know, I think God would come down on the side of morality, and I was like, what are you saying? I don't, I, I actually those aren't understand. in conflict. Yeah, they're not in conflict. I couldn't understand what they were saying, and when they clarified what they meant, they were saying that they view uh, the the government forcibly shutting down gatherings and businesses and churches and stripping us of our right to assembly as the moral thing to do because it's in the interest of the public good and therefore God would be on the side of that. And I was like, wow, we couldn't disagree more. Thank you for clarifying what you meant. Yeah. <laughs> but A, I don't believe civil liberties and morality are in conflict like you do. Um, like you just said, Carter, uh, mm -hmm. and B, I don't believe that it's moral for the government by force with the threat of force to shut down our right to assembly. So I don't think that's a moral thing to do. So we, we completely disagree. But is it because other people have said it in the thread too? this sort of like flippant disregard for civil liberties as if they're not important? I'm like, why? what is that? Well, I don't understand that. So. Yeah, maybe we should get into philosophy just a bit. And I do not have formal education in philosophy, so I'll, uh, you know, if people know, if, if people in chat know more about some of this stuff, please tell me. But I, I, I have read a bit and continue to read about philosophy because it's fascinating to me. Um, the individual liberties have never been important to the left. Um, they, they, I know, I know that sounds like a crazy thing to say because they, they'll run around and tell you we have the right to free speech, you know, in the '60s or whatever. But philosophically, um, all right, let's talk about how philosophy has been destroyed. First of all, because this is, I think, this is why people don't think philosophy matters. Um, uh, 
the purpose of philosophy at a high level is to help tell you how to live. Like that's the purpose of philosophy. It's to help guide you into uh, a set of ethics, right? You start metaphysical assumptions, epistemological um, uh, methods, and and then you get into ethics, right? Like, and a whole bunch of other branches. But like philosophy is supposed to help give you like practical advice on how to live in the world. And when philosophy is grounded in reality so in other words when philosophy is is i would say uh a little i would call it a little bit more aristotelian although not completely aristotle he has some problems here but when philosophy is grounded in this idea the reason i'm saying aristotelian is when it's grounded in this idea that like a is a which which ayn rand popularized but originally came from aristotle um when it's when when philosophy is kind of grounded in this uh look at reality as it is and you say, well, how do we how do we know what's true um, in reality, and how do we how do we determine this, and um, you know, what is our primary uh, method for understanding what's true? And you develop reason, and you understand, okay, well, reason is a way of, and logic are ways of making sure there's not contradictions. Can contradictions re exist in reality? Yes or no? Like, I guess they can't. Okay, and like, so you go down this path. If philosophy is based in reality, then philosophy is very, 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 very helpful in actually living. It's great. It's not sitting around getting high contemplating whether the ceiling exists. It's practical, useful, helpful uh, direction. And in fact, f knowing some decent philosophy is kind of like a superpower in many ways because you can cut right through stuff and see to the heart of matters often because if it's based on reality and, and truth, um, it's effective and it is also practical. And the problem is philosophy became detached from the practical um, and from the real. I think intentionally, and the reason I, I know I'm going to come back to what we're talking about. I know I sound like I'm going off on a tangent, but I think it was Hegel that did this. Obviously, Hegel, uh, big with the Marxists, right, <laughs> um, and big with the left, uh, kind of maybe one of the grandfathers of, of, of the philosophy underlying a lot of the leftism that we see today. Hegel explicitly, and correct me if I'm chat if I'm wrong about this, but Hegel explicitly, I believe he viewed the state. I'm almost positive about this. It was Hegel. Hegel viewed the state as uh, some version of an instantiation of uh, God or like this being in the the universe's manifestation uh, was the state, and therefore whatever um, supported the state and helped the state flourish was that was the divine that was the good this is kind of like the ultimate public good argument which is like it's the state's existence that matters above all else the state is this beautiful divine um manifestation of of god or the power of the universe on earth and he really said this like you can like this is it's not me extrapolating like that this was his idea and people ran with this and there's, I mean, obviously we've gone very far from that. I mean, some of the postmodernists, you can't, it's not clear that that's the uh, foundation. But really a lot of this came from that idea. And when you have something that's, that I believe that's very disconnected from reality, right? If you start with that premise, it's you're just disconnected from reality. Once you disconnect from reality, all philosophy can just be, it's all bullcrap. And philosophy became, um, and you also had Kant claiming to prove that reason was impotent but he was using reason to prove it. Like, I think that's kind of moronic. 
Kant, Kant obviously very popular and viewed as one of the, the gods of, of modern philosophy, right? So you had philosophy become this thing that is actually completely detached from anything practical about how to live or how to be moral or anything. It's just a bunch of, it's like philosophy is now just a way to get a PhD and I don't know, a spot on NPR once in a while. It's not, it's not anything about how to live practically that the common person can use. Um, and so when you do that, now you've got people that like, when you say that rights matter, they don't, that, that doesn't make any sense to them. Rights are just one of many things that people live in this um, kind of smorgasbord of philosophy now where they've heard little, uh, they hear little um, bromides or, or platitudes from different philosophers and they say things like, oh, well, that's true for you, but not true for me. And that's this. Ayn Rand actually wrote a brilliant essay about this. Um, I think it's called Philosophy Who Needs It. But, you know, people just <laughs> pick and choose from different things. And no one has any sense that all this philosophy should be non-contradictory, should be related to reality, and should, like, be able to be traced back to truth all the way. And it's just, everything's just kind of this smorgasbord of, like, this phrase works now, this phrase works now. So... For them, rights are just, they're just words that you say sometimes. They're just words that mean some things sometimes, and they don't mean things other times. And so um, they don't, for them, there is a contradiction between what's moral and individual rights. Because for us, um, individual rights, civil liberties are part of a moral code. Like they're, they're part of, you know, morality. They stem from a proper view of, of mankind's uh, relation to each other and what is moral and what is not. Specifically, they stem from uh, the idea that the initiation of the use of force is wrong in all cases. Like, that's where they come from. And uh, this, I, but they don't come from that for the left. From the left, they're just things that were written. They, from the left, civil liberties come from literally like the Constitution. They just, they derive magically from the government. That's just the way we are. There's nothing, you know, nothing philosophically profound about that and we have to weigh that we have to balance it that's just another idea we got to balance this versus that you don't need to balance things if you've got good philosophy you don't balance philosophic concepts against each other they either contradict or they don't um i agree so that's i should shut up because that's a long weird, weird rant no i appreciate it and that's that's kind of what i was suspecting or or wondering is 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 it this inability to connect philosophy to um real to real life that's that that's causing people to brush aside you know such such interference by the government right but it's, it's partially like, oh, not their fault because we they've been yeah. taught that philosophy is a bunch of crap because it mostly is right you've got people now literally deconstruct you know you had people you had a movement of people deconstructing everything you had the uh uh analytics you had the linguists you had you've got you had you had the existentialists literally contemplating whether the floor was there or the ceiling was there you've got people now in pop culture philosophy like even people that i like um sometimes referencing like oh we live in a simulation and like which is just such an old trite tired philosophical idea like you know um <laughs> they've got all this kind of crap like they have the humean bullshit like it's just they don't have it doesn't relate to reality nothing nothing that relates to reality is just sitting around in an armchair like literally it's something that you would do when you're high it's just having a useless conversation about something that doesn't matter and so that's how most people view philosophy and they're right actually 
That's how most philosophy is. So why the hell would they take it seriously? It's really hard to, to be the one saying, hey, guys, philosophy actually matters, just not philosophers or any of the philosophy you've been taught in school, but philosophy as a subject matters deeply. And actually, there's some pretty good philosophy in history we should be looking at. I think that's why Jordan Peterson caught on so much is because he was talking about philosophy that matters. And he was introducing people like me to philosophical concepts that I hadn't really been introduced to. And I, I had also written off philosophy, you know. Um, so Understandable. I have, I have something else since we were on the phone. We were just ranting and talking like friends. Um, I don't know if I should go here or not, but why not? Why the heck not? Right? Yeah, go ahead. I have I have a hard stop at four, but other than that, I'm free. Okay. So go. Uh, I was telling Carter some of my unpopular opinions about God and Christianity, and he was like, I think you're becoming a fundamentalist. <laughs> <laughs> Which is probably true. I'm a pretty all-or-nothing personality. <laughs> but um, I meant that actually kind of as, as an atheist. I meant that as a compliment, which sounds weird, but I didn't mean it as a compliment. Kind of. No, explain. No, I know what you mean, but explain to anyone who doesn't understand what you mean. Um, again, the atheist's perspective. Uh, religion is a big deal, right? The claims that you're making are a big deal, right? You're claiming there's a metaphysical being in the sky who's omniscient and omnipotent. Like, those are big claims. I'm not going to argue with you right now about whether they exist or not. But let's agree that those are big freaking claims. That's a big claim. That's yeah. serious. That's a serious claim. If you believe that claim, you have an obligation to take that claim seriously. And if you don't take it seriously, I don't take you seriously. That's yes. That's what I'm saying. And so, and so, what I believe is that, um, well, something I shared in the video I did by myself. First of all, I think that if you're a Christian. So I don't mean you, Carter, and I don't mean anyone who's, we had, a, we had a viewer who got upset that I addressed Christians, and it's like, well, if you're not a Christian, I'm not talking to you anyway, so why are you taking offense? Um, but I think Christians have an opportunity right now with this crisis to look at it through biblical lens and not through the worldly lens. And so I believe, like, just like with the personal crisis, what is God teaching me? Why am I being humbled? What am I supposed to be learning, right? That's what I think is happening on a large scale right now. Why are we being humbled? What are we supposed to be learning? If you're a Christian, I'm saying. Um, and instead, I'm seeing some. Of, I'm seeing a lot of the opposite. And as a pretty new Christian, I'm finding it strange. And I don't understand Christians who are afraid. I mean, I, I do. I get fear. I have fear about a lot of things. I just, in regards to this virus, I kind of am like... Um, you either believe it or you don't. You either believe that God says you should fear no evil or you don't. And I see a lot of like a lukewarm kind of response. And I know this is, again, this is why I said this is my most unpopular opinion. Um, and you can hate me or think I'm stupid or whatever. But I felt like if I, with the government shutting churches down, and if I were a pastor, I kind of feel like for someone who's a preacher, you're like a doctor. You you have an obligation to be there for people. And I don't mean via Skype. I mean there, physically. That's that's the unpopular part. Um, and if somebody wants to come and, and see you in person and get counsel from you in person, I kind of think that's your job. Now, I'm not a preacher. If I were, 
I'd probably open my church on Easter Sunday. Sorry. Um, and, you know, it's up to you to decide if you wanted to come. Now, my boyfriend's already said he's not going to let me go to church. <laughs> but, and he disagrees with me. So you got anybody who's mad at me is not the only one who disagrees with me. I just kind of feel like, uh, you know, that Bible verse about you, you're either hot or you're not, you're neither hot nor cold. You're lukewarm. And then I spit you out of my mouth. That's what I feel like. It's like, maybe I am becoming a fundamentalist because things are all or nothing for me. And I don't, I'm not afraid. I am afraid about human things in the here and now, like how am I going to pay my mortgage this month? You know, yes, I'm, I'm undergoing, I have the same fears that other people do, but in the big picture, it's like, I'm, I believe this is all part of God's plan. So I don't understand the kind of panic I'm seeing from some Christians. I guess I'll put it that way. Okay, now everybody hate on me. <laughs> I have to hang up on you now because you mentioned Christianity. <laughs> okay. Um, no, I mean, I look, we've said this before as well. Um, and, and this is where this is why I've gone from having um, being a much more I, I used to call myself an evangelical atheist um, uh, because I really, really wanted to convince people um, that God didn't exist. But uh, I've become a lot more sympathetic to Christianity in particular, not really other religions as much, um, having looked at the history and a lot of what value it's brought to the West. Um, however, I've also, I've also come to understand that generally what happened when when religion was torn down in the west and people uh philosophers actually uh attacked religion uh, vociferously and and successfully in uh in many ways um we 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 stumbled in we kind of became the secular society now uh there's a few different ways that could have gone right they could have attacked the metaphysical premise of christianity um, and they could have tried to provide alternatives that were more rational philosophies. They could have gone all the way back to Socrates and Aristotle and, and tried to um, maybe work from there. They could have just gone back more recently to, you know, natural law kind of people like John Locke and been more like deists or, or whatever. They could have done a lot of things to try and help people understand uh, that you can still have meaning um, that uh, morality doesn't have to be relative, that there still is objective ways to, um, there, are, there, there is objective morality, there are objective uh, ways to derive moral rules for living together in society. They could have replaced it with something um, that I think would be very similar actually in practice to what a lot of Christianity is because Christianity, I, I view religions as a um, a meta meme, like they're giant memes. They're like really uh, well evolved survival beliefs that that transmit through culture. That's how I view religions. Um, and so, if you're going to tear down the religion, you need to replace it with something that's a useful survival meme. Um, that's like clear and easy to understand that's that's a way to survive um and a way to find meaning and a way to know what's right and what's wrong um and they didn't do that what they did 
was either replace it with nothing or basically replaced it with Hegelianism. Like they replaced it with like, well, it's the public good that matters. It's other people that matter. They replaced it with this weird altruistic ethic, um, which um, altruism is not a moral system. It's just sacrificing yourself for other people. There's nothing moral about that. Um, it's an amoral thing. Uh, it depends on why the sacrifice is there and for what reason. Like, it's not, there's nothing moral inherently about altruism. They replaced it with altruism and this mix of, like, this kind of state-as-God thing. And I don't think we are in a secular society in the way that people think about it. People think we're in the society where there's not God. Most atheists have a God, and that God is the state. Um, they just worship the state. That's all they do. They worship the state. They don't go to the same church. They go to a different church. And... There's not really much of a difference. The state can do no wrong. The state is the best. The state, the state, the state. The state needs to take care of everything. The state should be omniscient. The state should be omnipresent. The state should be, um, you know, all-powerful. Uh, that's their god. Their god is the state. And that is extremely, extremely dangerous because that is not an idea that has been vetted. And um, that's not an idea that evolved as a stable, great um uh, free society like that's not an idea that leads to prosperity like that leads to mass graves so i think we're that's that's all we're just in this place and so that's why when there's a pandemic all the sheeple are like oh where's my god well if you're a devout devout christian maybe you're praying but if you're everyone else they're they're praying to the government that's their god yeah that's a great point i know we've mentioned that before but this has illustrated it to me in ways that I hadn't been able to see before. People praying to the state, yeah. Hey, you said something controversial to me on our phone call. Oh, I forgot. Yeah. <laughs> you said... I, it's women. Wanna... I'll say it. You don't have to say it. <laughs> I don't want to get you in trouble. I will own it. I told Carrie it's mostly women who uh, want to... And, and I, you know, I get it. I think that obviously not all women... Some women are, are look, rugged individualists, and some guys are soy boys who look to the state. But uh, on average, um, women are much more... On average, I suspect you're right. On in. average, yep. it's more... Probably women are more likely to look to the state to intervene and use force in times like this, probably. But yes, so. individually, yeah. most maybe I just know a lot of individualist women, but most of the women I know and most of the women in comments... Uh, in chat right now are are individualists and i've seen a well, ton of guys this is a self-selecting are... group of individuals so this is yeah. not representative of the karens and the rest of the country but uh <laughs> yeah i mean look we know that guys are more risky that's like part of part of being a male is, is taking more risk um that's just an innate thing built into us it's genetic um or hormonal at least um guys are more risky so um yeah, being more risky means you're more likely to say like, "Oh, I don't need protection from this. Like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna handle it." And being less risky, less you know, more risk averse, you're more likely to say like, "Oh, someone needs to protect me." I would guess actually that married women are probably less uh, excited about the state protecting them, and single women are very, very excited about the state protecting them right now because at least married women have a dynamic in a relationship where they have a partner. There's, they each have someone they can rely on. They probably feel a little bit more safe. Um, single women, I would guess, feel less safe, my guess. 
Hey, a couple things from chat before we have to go. Mm-hmm. Yeah, those those of you who are saying you almost missed this, I'm sorry. We just decided to do an impromptu stream because we were ranting at each other on the phone. And, then, uh, and, and I'm sorry YouTube doesn't send the notifications in a timely fashion like they're supposed to. Um, somebody says, I don't get the Karen thing. Oh, don't worry. It's just some silly meme. It's a, it's a meme where they, uh, basically people, I don't know why, where it started, but they call anyone who is, uh, like naggy or being a nag or being, um, kind of a, a snitch or they call them Karen. I don't know why, but they say, Oh, they're just that's like Karen. bland. Karen's are bland and boring and they don't think for themselves. It's like, and it's like a female NPC. Um, okay, but not real. We all know Karens who are not. No, anyone whose name is Karen is by definition a horrible person. <laughs> I'm, <like holding. laughs> I'm kidding. By the way, uh, 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 Tematime Faces, I think that's how you pronounce it. She says um, on her page it's the men. Um, yeah, I, I think, though, we're also in this. You know what's been happening in Japan? They're having less and less sex, um, and they're not—they're not, they're Where not are we procreating. Going now? <laughs> huh? Where are we going now in this conversation? Well, where we're going is <laughs> okay. uh, men are becoming emasculated, and those emasculated men are not attractive to women. Um, and so, the—the uh, the more soy you have, the less attractive you are to most women. Uh, you know, there's some virtue signaling women who will be with you and uh they like to show that their you know their boyfriend is woke but they're pining after the you know ex-con in the gym um so uh yeah i think there are i don't doubt that there's a lot of guys that are out there pushing for this um simpy authoritarian (laughs) perspective like please please dominate me um but i don't think that's Typical male. That's just like the soy boy culture that we have now. That's my guess. Yeah, I, th- I think that there are, uh, and I agree, Jen. I said, I, I've been seeing the same. I've been seeing a lot of men who are pushing for this, who are defending the state, inter- interfering and saying we're going to shut down businesses or shut down power and electricity businesses or shut down churches de blasio saying he's going to shut potentially shut down churches and synagogues permanently if they don't shut down you know and i've seen some men defending all that yeah that's constitutional (laughs) right (laughs) um but um but yeah thank you guys for joining us and letting us i mean just for me thank you for letting me get some of this off my chest and uh share some of my I mean, I know I say it's funny because I know my entire one of one purpose that I feel like I have in the past few years has been to speak about and to try and articulate what my old belief system was and to articulate what I find so wrong about it and what I think is dangerous and evil about it. Um, and I don't really care when I talk about that how many people are not going to like what I say or... I don't really worry about it so much, but I'm finding that my faith is different. And so I was, I was feeling like I needed to keep some thoughts to myself about my, about what I was thinking about Christianity. And then I, and then I sort of asked myself, why, why, who cares if people get mad and think, who cares if they think I'm stupid? Who cares if they think I'm, you know, whatever, who cares if they all disagree with me? I'm just trying to explain myself better and what's in my head. So that's what's in my head. Good. Do with it what you will. 
Well, uh, on that note, um, I wish we could keep talking about this, but I got to run. Um, yep. And uh, this has been a nice, unexpected, impromptu, impromptu Kofefi. So uh, sorry for the people who missed oh. it and came in late. You can go back and look. Um, hey, and quick shout out. I know you have to go. Quick shout out. Yeah. I just talked with her today on Instagram. Um, there's a yarn maker or, or seller, uh, Skein. That's how you say that word, right? Skein Yarns. <laughs> I can't believe I have to be the one to know this. It's Skein. Yes, that's. that's <laughs> Maria Skein taught yarns. me this. <laughs> okay. She's in New Zealand. Um, in New Zealand, I guess, the small businesses have had to get permi special, special permission to stay open and do orders by mail. They have to get, they have to show that they're a necessity. And so, like a lot of other businesses, she is she was able to prove or to say to claim like someone in chat said earlier yarn is a necessity for me for my mental health that's that's what she was able to get qualified for was to say for people's mental health yarn is a necessity and there's a ton of different businesses that are doing this and and um and good for them because guess what people do need people are at home they're not allowed to go out they're in quarantine it is good for their mental health to have diversions and so you know why i'm buying the arizona iced tea because i'm trying not to have cigarettes while i'm on quarantine right <laughs> like, that's good for my mental health that's why and gun so, stores should be open for my mental health for your mental health right <laughs> but anyway uh quick shout out to skein yarns you guys should go and support her because the sjw's who've been attacking her in the past anyway for being a wrong thinker they've really seized upon this now and they're coming after her and mobbing her and saying she should be ashamed of herself for selling yarn and that letter carriers and mail carriers shouldn't be carrying anything except essentials well again like we talked about earlier who gets to decide what's an essential do you get to decide do we get to look at what you've ordered online and tell you what you can and can't order who where does that end so that i'm getting pissed off again go support skein yarns thank you guys for joining us <laughs> we'll talk to you later bye everyone